0: Thank you that you you died, but you rose, Father. Yeah, yeah. And in your resurrection, Father, we have life Thank and you, life Father. abundantly, Thank Father. Yes, Father. We give you all the glory, yeah. Father. All yeah. the praise, yeah. all, you all Jesus. the adoration, yeah. Father. Thank you, Jesus. To you alone, Father, belong. Yeah, yeah. All the praise, Father. Yes, Lord. You are our and oh no. man. Ome- Living in, in your, your kingdom. kingdom, Jesus, you're the king of okay. the throne. Mm. Thank, Thank you, you. for. Rest in your finished words. Yes. yes. And we say yes to you, Daddy. Yes, yes to you. Yes. Yes. yes to you, Daddy. Yes. yes to you. Yes to you. Because your promises, your promises are, are yes and yes your amen. Your because before are yes we even speak name. a word, yes. you've heard your and you've answered. Yes because that's a school. my confidence all the time. All That's my confidence all
1: the time. That's my
0: Who is like you? Amongst the gods, who is like
1: you?
0: You are glorious in our
1: praises. Yes,
0: Yes, oh, awesome God! Your That's who You are. That's who You are. That's who You are. All Your promises. That's who You are. Yes
1: That's, who you are. That's,
0: yes. All That's who You are. Ancient of days. That's who You are. who you are, faithful and holy God. That's who you are. We bow before you. Yes, 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 oh
1: God. yes oh God. We bow
0: before all your promises,
1: yes, Lord.
0: We bow before yes, you, Lord. Yes. Giving you all. slumber no sleep yes, yes uh-huh. we give you glory that's who you yes are. you're never tired of listening to us you as we worship are. a lovely father you're never you never tired of hearing are. our worship yeah. so we bring our worship to you, that's that's you, like you oh There is not like, oh that like, like you oh god there is none like you oh god we will stop I worshiping you
1: That's who you That's are. Who you are. Yeah, the, the beginning and the end. That's who you are. Oh, uh, the rose of Sharon. Yeah, That's, who yeah, yeah. Yes. Of That's who you are. The tribe of Lion. That's who you are. The finished work. That's who you are. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's finished work. Wow. That's who you are. Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this glorious opportunity that we have to bless your name, to praise you, to thank you, to magnify you, to exalt you. O oh, eternal King, immortal, invisible, dear only, wise God, unto your name alone, be honor, glory, power, and dominion. We thank you, Father God, for this season in which we are living in. You said that this is the day that you have made, and we shall reg- rejoice in it and be glad. And so, Father God, in spite of everything else that's has gone around us, we thank you because we know you are the anchor of our souls. We are steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work that you've given us to do. Because we know that we are not alone, because you said, lo, and you're with us always, even until the end of the earth. And so, Father, we rest in your assurance. We thank you for your finished work. We bless your name, Father God, that Jesus indeed came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he has now ascended into the heavens and is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. But not just him, he died as us and rose as us. And therefore you said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 that you have made us to sit together with him in the heavenly places far above principalities and dominions and powers. And so, God, we have confidence today that in spite of everything that's going on around us, and we do not deny those facts, we have peace in knowing that the Prince of Peace himself lives within us. And it is from that perspective that we live and move and have our being. And so, God, tonight, I just want to thank you for all of those who have been impacted with coronavirus, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the power that raised you from the dead will be at work now in their bodies to bring healing in the name of Jesus. And for those that have loved, lost loved ones, we pray for comfort and for strength from the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we remember our health care givers, those are working day and night, putting their lives on the line to keep us, to help us and to minister to those who need their ministry. And so, Father, we thank you for your hedge of protection around them, that the plague will not come near their their daily places, and that the death angel will pass over them. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for our government authorities, our state, local, and national leaders. Lord, that they have the mind of Christ, they have the wisdom of God, and they know what to do. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for keeping us safe. We honor you, we bless you, we praise you. Because you are a great God. You are a good God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this incredible privilege that we have. In Jesus' mighty and majestic name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God again. <clears throat> coming to you from Lawrenceville, Georgia, World Outreach Mission Outreach Church for All Nations. <laughs> amen. And uh, we are observing social distancing. We are here as a ministry that's building strong families and serving global communities. And so I am going to be speaking, uh, just taking off from where I left uh, on Sunday, Uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, In that passage, we saw John introducing us to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So in that particular message on Sunday, I made several observations. Number one, I said the word behold will be the equivalent of breaking news if it was to happen today. It was an announcement that will become a game changer. An announcement that will change the course, that will give a new or different perspective to whatever was happening at that time. Remember, up to that moment, in fact, at the moment that John was speaking, Israel was continually still offering animal sacrifices day by day by day by day because they believed that through those sacrifices, they could become righteous with God. And for a season under the old covenant, God allowed that. But John was pointing to a new day, a different dispensation, a different time when Israel and the rest of the world will come into a better covenant that will be based on better promises. And so he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away not just the sin of Israel, but the sin of the world. And so I also mentioned in that message that that word sin is singular. And it meant that Jesus was not just forgiving sins, which he did, and that's essential, but it was also destroying the power of sin. Because you see, if you can destroy the power of sin, then I will commit less sin because that power is been removed from me. So what Jesus came to do was not only to forgive our sins, but also to destroy the power that made us sin. <clears throat> Amen. It was the Lamb of God. He took away the sin. And of course, he took away the sin of the world. But thank God he just didn't die. But he died He was buried, and then he rose again from the dead. And the good news there is, when he rose from the dead, you and I also were raised together with him. Amen? And so this evening, I just want to touch on one or two things, and uh, then we're going to move from there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is—it's—it's it's an incredible phenomenon. Uh, one that, if it did not happen, we'll all be doomed. Period. We'll have believed in vain if Jesus was not raised from the dead. And the reason—well, not the reason—one of the reasons for his resurrection was because it became the proof. To us, that God has been satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus made. The only thing that kept people in their grave is sin. It's sin. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the blood, or rather, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So as long as people sinned, they will die. And as long as a person who is a sinner dies, they stay dead. So it's absolutely important for Jesus to rise from the dead to validate his claims. His claim as the Son of God and his claim as the resurrection and the life. Critical. By coming back to life, and, and, and we must make a distinction here. In John chapter 11, we all saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. So Lazarus died and he came back from the dead. But then he died again and stayed dead. <laughs> we saw many people that were raised from the dead in Jesus' ministry and in Elisha's ministry. But all those guys came back from the dead and died again. Jesus is the only one Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, is that I was dead, and I'm alive. And I'm alive forevermore. And the reason for that is because we need an ironclad proof that this son of God is in fact who he said he is. He said that he had the ability to to lay down his life and pick it up again. So if he did not raise from the dead, we would not have proof. That it actually came back from You know, as I'm sitting out here talking to you, uh, I just recall when I first left uh, my home country, Nigeria, years, years, years ago, as a young teenager. Back in that day, we had no internet. Phones worked uh, uh, very epileptic. It didn't work properly. I mean, to make a phone call was oh my gosh. I, I, to, to make a phone call in those days. I't uh, I, I don 't dis- want to think about it. It's just It was so cumbersome. I left home not knowing where I was going. I, 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 I came to North America. So I, I, I 'm sitting down here, I just remember very vividly my parents taking me to the airport, very scared, not knowing what would happen after I left. Uh, they had no idea or no way to control. The destiny or, or the factors that will affect, affect my departure or, or my arrival in Canada, which is where I went originally. And, so I, and so, so I left knowing that I was leaving them in great anticipation. Will he be fine? Will he know how to take care of himself? I had never lived away from home, never. So, my first time living away from home, here I am, Lagos to Toronto, Canada, at the age of 17. So my parents were very, very nervous. Okay. I made the journey, got there. I'm fine where I was. But for them, their friends will come and ask them, as bank arrived, they don't know. My brother will ask, as bank arrived, they don't know. They are hopeful, but they don't know. The only way for them to know, remember, no emails, no text messaging, uh, phones didn't work. The only thing I could do was write a letter. And for that letter, that day it took another 20 days to get from, my de- from Toronto to Ibadan, Nigeria, where my parents were. So for them, even though they saw me leave, the ironclad proof that I arrived at my destination safely was when that mailman delivered that letter in their hands and they opened it and they saw in my own handwriting, dear daddy, I arrived in Toronto, Canada. For them, that was the ironclad proof the bank arrived. So now they can go back and tell their friends, he's there, he arrived, it's fine, and tell my family, my friends uh, my friends, and my brothers. And so I'm set out to say, Jesus Acts 1 Verse 9. Can you give me Acts chapter 1, verse 9, please? Acts 1, 9. Glory to God. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who who was taken up from you into heaven will come, will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. So for a fact, not only did he resurrect, those early disciples also saw him ascend back into heaven. Amen. Now, let me just touch one or two things. Uh, Hebrews chapter 24, I mean, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Hebrews 12, 24. Thank you. Let's touch a couple of things here uh, for our study tonight. Mm. Hebrews 12, 24. Let me start from verse 22. Verse 22. Hebrews 12, 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable innumerable company of angels. Go on. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, verse 24 is my real, real key. That's the key verse I want to focus on. To Jesus... The mediator of the new covenant. Now, hear me now. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. We are living in a different day. No longer in the old covenant, but the new covenant. And Jesus is the mediator of it. And to the blood or sprinkling that speaks better things than that of herbal. So let me just address a few minutes about the voice of the blood. The voice of the blood. Back again to this verse 24. The Bible says, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant unto the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel." So please let me go to Genesis chapter 4 and then I'll tie it together. Genesis chapter 4 verse 10. Keep in mind what we just read. That the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of Abel. So Genesis 4.10. Now this is the context here. Cain had killed Abel. And here in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 4, the Bible said, And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. When you put Genesis 4.10, with Hebrews 12:24 we see three things. Number 1, that blood has a voice. That blood has a voice. Number 2, in Genesis 4:10 we see that the blood cried. <laughs> Because the Bible says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And number three, we see that God hears the voice of the blood. Because the Bible said, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And verse 11, what does verse 11 say? Verse 11. So now, you are cursed from the earth. So God responded. So three things. The, vo- the blood has a voice. The blood either cries or speaks. And then number three, God hears. Now, This is very important for us as believers. Because we are seeing a contrast here between the first blood that was ever shed in Genesis chapter 4 and the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary's cross. Both bloods, so to speak, are speaking. The blood of Abel was crying out for revenge, vengeance, justice. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, that the blood of Jesus speaks of better things. Hallelujah. What are the better things that he's speaking? Even those sinful men crucified Jesus. His blood, unlike the blood of Abel, is not crying out for vengeance or revenge or for justice. His blood is crying for what? Mercy. Forgiveness, healing, prosperity, wholeness, hallelujah. Huge contrast because we are living in a different dispensation. But the important point here is the blood speaks. One speaks of vengeance. The other speaks of mercy. But at the end of the day, God is hearing. And this is important for me and you as believers because now we recognize that Jesus has been to the cross, shed his blood, and is now alive forevermore to enforce the mercy, the loving kindness, the forgiveness, and the blessings that his blood was intended to bring upon humanity. In Hebrews chapter 9, In verses 16 and 17, Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. The Bible says, For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For if for a testament is enforced after men are dead, since it has no power at all, while the testator lives. So Jesus had to die and to resurrect so that he, as a living being, can enforce the testament or the will that he has for us. So his resurrection is of tremendous benefit to you and I. Not only do we rise together from the dead as he did, but he rose so that he now can, with, uh, by the power of his Spirit, Enforce that the blessings and the inheritance that's due us from Him will be done. Now, let me very quickly go to some of the very clear benefits of this resurrection to us. Number one, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ gave you and I the opportunity to be born again. If Jesus had not raised from the dead, the foundation for our faith will be void. We will be no different from any heathen. Amen? But because he died, was buried, and rose again from the dead, we have the ability for the new birth. Praise God. We have been redeemed, the Bible says, by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood. As a result of his blood, we have the new birth. Secondly, secondly, as a result of the new birth, you and I now have the opportunity and the privilege of the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That same spirit, the Bible says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now dwells In us for every man and woman who believe it you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now residing in you and that's a whole lot of difference it makes all the difference on the earth let's go to John chapter 20 John chapter 20 hallelujah John chapter 20 Verse uh, seven, I believe. No, verse seventeen. No, 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 no. What am I reading? Excuse me here. John chapter twenty. Verse 19, John twenty nineteen. Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the dust was shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Hold it there for, hold it there for one minute. Don't miss the point here. When Jesus had died, those disciples were so afraid. The Bible said, they shut the door where they were meeting. Why? For fear of the Jews. They were terrified. What's going to happen to us? This man has taught us for three years. We've moved in and out with him. Crusades, campaigns, preaching all over the place, made all kinds of promises, made a claim to be the son of God, now he's dead. Out of the fear of the repercussion that would come upon them, they were fearful. Shut the door. And right there and there, in their fear, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be With you. Now, let let me just make this submission for us. There are those that will say today that because you are afraid, therefore God will not move on your behalf. That because you are this and that, because you've not done this, you've not done that, God will not do this. Here it is. These men clearly were in fear. Did that stop Jesus from coming? Absolutely not. Because it's not about what you do, it's about what is done. That is the essence of the rest in Christ. Now, they believed him, but they just were fearful. So they were not heathens per se. They believed him, but they were fearful. But Jesus moved through the affair and came right in their midst and said, peace be with you. And I'm saying this now to all of us who are dreading this coronavirus. It is real. People are getting sick. Some are dying. We don't have a cure. Our life is changing. We are in lockdown. Schools are closed. Restaurants are closed. You can go there. You can go here. You can travel. All kinds of things are happening. And to you, I want to say, peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. Don't come under condemnation that you are even fearful. Folks, if I saw a snake, I will run. Absolutely. I'm not going to hang around and say, what kind of snake is this? Is it a rat snake or a cattle snake or a cobra? Absolutely. I'm going to hightail out of here. Amen. God gave you that inner something to some common sense to let you know that when fear or when danger is coming, you better be fearful. in the natural. Not to be fearful to the point where you don't trust God. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying you must understand God is at work both to will and to do of his good pleasure in your life, not because of what you've done. If you can do it on his own, you don't need him. So I'm saying in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our our distress, Jesus has the ability to break through it and say, peace, be still. And I speak those same words to you right now. Peace, be still. Hallelujah. But this is the good thing about it. It does not come into your life when you are fearful and live in that condition. Hallelujah. These guys were afraid. Give me verse 20. John twenty twenty. When he had said this, when he had said, peace, be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This is huge. In other words, they didn't ask him, say, Are you sure? Have you been hiding? Did you really die? No, it didn't work for them to ask. He simply showed them his side and his hands. Hey, listen, guys, I was on that cross. I am it. I'm the one that was on that cross. And when they saw that, they said, whoa, he told us. We heard him. Now we see it. He's alive. And that singular revelation changed their entire life. These guys went from being fearful to becoming fearless. They went from being fearful in one moment to becoming fearless for the rest of their lives. And so what I'm trying to say to us this season is that God help all of us to not just have a head knowledge about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that God will help us to, uh, to, to go through all of the loud voices that's around us, all of the things that we are hearing and seeing, that we, can, we should be discerning to be able to see clearly the resurrected Lord. Because when you see him, you become like him. Because you become what you behold. Amen? So they went from being fearful to becoming fearless. So what I'm saying is, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ leaves you and I transformed. When you catch that revelation, you become transformed. Secondly, we see Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse uh, verse nine. Actually, I can read verses eight and nine. Let me read verses eight, eight and nine. Thank you. Verse eight says, "Then last of all, he was seen by me also." Now that's that's very loaded. So Paul here has been listing all the people that saw Jesus in his resurrection: Cephas, the five hundred, the twelve apostles. And then in verse 8, saying, last of all, he was seen by me also. In other words, I am not deserving to get this revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Jesus did not count me out because I was undeserving. Ah, he gave me the privilege of seeing him also. As by one born out of due time. Why did Paul not count himself worthy of seeing him? Verse 9, he said, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. This was the most unlikely human being to catch that revelation. But the point I'm making here is after he, Paul, saw the resurrected Lord His life changed. The course of his entire life changed from that moment. He stopped being a persecutor and he became an advocate. My prayer for every one of us tonight is that our fear will give room for boldness and our timidity or perhaps persecuting and arguing about what God has done will give room to us become advocates for the kingdom of God. Because once you behold him, you are changed for time and eternity. There's a transforming power in seeing the revelation of the resurrected Christ. Our lives will never ever remain the same. And so I want to pray for us now that will just not be men and women who will just collect more head knowledge, but that God will help us to transfer that knowledge into revelation knowledge. That will help us to come to a place of intimacy, a place where we come to know God, a place where we come to see him for who he is. And so in seeing him, we are transformed. So for those disciples, their transformation was from being fearful to becoming Fearless. For Apostle Paul, it was from being a persecutor to becoming an advocate. For you and I, it could be a totally different thing. Maybe you are in a business situation where you are fearful that you will lose your business. God wants to give an assurance through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will profit by his word. Maybe sickness. Maybe you are dreading the fact that you may catch coronavirus. When you see and catch the revelation of the Lord Jesus in his resurrection power, you come to understand that there is no sickness or disease that can stand against the Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that healeth. Maybe it's provision. Maybe that's what you, uh, you, you, you are dreading. Your needs being met. Your bill's being paid. And you're just saying, God, how, 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 when, wow, wow. Questions after questions after questions. And God wants to say to you, peace, be still. Catch a revelation of who I am. Because when you see who I am, I transcend your natural needs. I'm not only able to meet them, I'm able to surpass them. He's the God of more than enough. And he wants to be that God of more than enough right now in your situation. Don't look for a one-way ticket out of unemployment. He wants to do much more than that. Joseph was going to be content to just barely return to Canaan. One way ticket. And God said, Ah, Joseph, you are thinking too small. I don't want to just take you to Canaan. I want to give you Egypt and the rest of the world. That may be your situation. God wants to change your job. Your job has become a lord over you. And God says, Now I want to make you an employer, not an employee. But you have to change your mindset. You have to have the mind of Christ. You have, to put, you have to live in the mind of Christ. And you have to see the resurrected Lord. Because God is able to bring something out of the little in your hand. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly, more than you're able to think or ask, according to the power of God that's at work in you. Don't think so small. No, don't think of going back to the job. No, think bigger than that. God has a bigger picture, He has something much more in store for you. Hallelujah. He does not just want to give you fish. He wants to give you the pond. Glory to God. Because now he wants to empower you so you can touch the world for his glory and his honor. Don't think small. Think of the big picture. Think the mind of Christ. Think his perception. I want to pray for you now. Whatever transformation you need, God in his resurrection power is able to bring it to pass. As a father in the name of Jesus I thank you for every man and woman who is tuned in. You know what the needs are. I don't. But you are able to meet them at their point of need. For your disciples, they were fearful. And you turned their fear into bravery. That's who you are. Paul was a persecutor. You turned him from a persecutor to an advocate. You who did that then, you are more than able to do more now particularly in this season of coronavirus, men and women's heart is failing. They are fearful. They are afraid. They are confused. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who to turn. But we do. We know because you, oh God, has the key in your hands. There is nothing too hard for you that you cannot do. And so, Lord, I bring their knees before you. I cast the cares that they have upon you. I thank you that the plans you have for them are plans of peace and not of evil, to bring them to an expected end. And so Lord, I believe and stand together for my brothers and my sisters wherever they may be. In particular, those who have lost their jobs. As of last count, 16 million Americans are unemployed now. 16 million. God, I see the potential for you to raise 16 million millionaires. You are the God of impossibility. You can turn the captivity around in a moment. And so Lord, I thank you that you give them the ability of weary invention. They will not think small of just going back to the job, but God, they'll become employers. In the name of Jesus, I receive the word for them. I command it to be so. In the name of Jesus, you begin a good work. You finish and you perfect it. Thank you, Father God, that when you raise them up, you lay up the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the just. All silver and all gold, they belong unto you. They will not lack any good thing. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You supplied all of their needs. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your generosity. And for those who are sick, my Lord God in Jesus' name, we receive the power of God as Jehovah Rapha. We command healing to their bodies in the name of Jesus. We command the plague to stop, to cease in Gwinnett County, in Georgia, and in the United States and globally. In the name of Jesus, thank you for good news. Good news is coming upon us because of your goodness, because of your mercy. We receive it. We thank you for it. And lastly, Father God, I want to thank you for our health care givers, in particular those that belong to World Outreach. I thank you for them. I bless your name, Lord Jesus as they stand in a marketplace, showing forth your glory, touching your people, ministering to them. I thank you for a hedge of protection around them. Keep them. Watch over them. Thank you that the plague does not come near their dwelling place. And for health caregivers all over the world, Lord, we pray for them too. We thank you, Father God. Have mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you stay the plague concerning them. That they are not touched and they are... They are well and they are sound. Thank you for your church. That there will be a spiritual awakening upon your church. My Lord and my God, that we will rise up as a mighty army, glorifying your name as we go forth everywhere you send us to bring practical ministry to those who are in need, to show your love and your kindness, to touch and to bless. And to testify of the goodness of who you are. We honor you, Father. We bless your name. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And so that concludes this uh, session. And I just want to encourage you to stay tuned. Because we come to you every week from these various platforms. On Sundays at 10 a.m. Tuesday at 8 p.m. Where we're praying for our global communities. Wednesday night midweek refuel at 7.30 on a Friday noon prayer time. We love you. God bless you. And we look forward to you joining us again. Thank you. Peace.